0: Settle down. She's <laughs> just all angry up here. If you spend any time on any media platform, whether it's checking CNN or Fox News or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever we get our information from, you know that there's a heaviness around this world. There's just a weight that we carry. Lots of people are weighing in on what we should believe about a lion and a guy. What we should believe about an overwhelmingly dark moment that happened in downtown Cincinnati and why it would happen and why there was a loss of life, to what we should agree on about a flag that to some is racial and to some is historical, and there's weight from Supreme Court decisions to our own families to what we're going to do about school this year, to what the government's doing for us, against us. There's so much weight that's out there, right? And it's so heavy. And even to the extreme that I've, I've seen some write, you know, this, the end of the world is here. Like, I've seen words claimed as prophetic saying, this must be the end. I don't view that as much prophetic as desperate right? Because the the heaviness is so overwhelming to us at times that we get desperate and we're almost crying out saying, Jesus, just let this thing end because I don't have an answer anymore. I don't know what to say. Everything that gets said gets twisted. Seems like the mess just gets messier. Seems like every time that somebody says something about one thing, then all of a sudden somebody else has to flip it and turn it against them in another thing. It's just heavy. There's a weight and there's a burden I don't know when the end of the world is. I have no clue. The only thing I know about the end of the world is Jesus is going to come back and it's going to be awesome for me. That's it. I don't know when. But what I do know, I do know is that the weight of this world, the heaviness that we experience, the chaos, the conversation, the the stuff that is weighing us down will not be solved. By addressing the stuff. But that Jesus says through his word. As he is the word. That this world will be addressed. Through us aligning with and understanding his ways. His truth. His love. His grace. His compassion. His justice. His mercy. So our attempt to address any issue, usually leaves us feeling more burdened. But when we attempt to walk in the ways of Jesus, we see burden removed and we see blessing take its place. And I find that to be the truest when God teaches me a principle through his word and I see it practiced by his people. I learn more by the practicing of God's principles through the people that are around me than, honestly, than I do from maybe Bible stories. I love the truth of Scripture. I'm deeply rooted in the truth of Scripture. I love everything that ever happened to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esau. I love it all. I'm deeply rooted in that. But I find the principle to be true even though we're thousands of years later when it's practiced by the people that are around me. And I get these aha moments of thinking, maybe, just maybe, that if we decided as a church today to explore the virtues of the ways of God, instead of exploring deeper the chaos of this world, we would end up in blessing and maybe not so much burden. Let's start with a word of prayer. Jesus, I pray that in these next few moments, only your word would be spoken in this place. You are the word. You are the truth. You are the light. You are the life. You are grace and mercy and justice. Be all those things to us. Teach us today the forgotten virtues of steadfast love and faithfulness. So that today we may glorify your name. In the presence of the world that's around us. It's through you that we pray. Amen. Earlier this year, I was um, working on social media. I actually get to say it's work because I, I, one of my responsibilities is social media for back to back ministries. And as I was working through Instagram, I came across this community of people called We Keep Exploring. That was their like hashtag. And it's just if you know anything about social media, You know that hashtags identify and draw communities together. If you don't know anything about social media, um, that was just Greek to you. You're like, I don't know. You put a picture on your computer, other people can find it because of a hashtag. That's the basic thing. This community called We Keep Exploring would just post photos on Instagram, and then underneath they would describe the places in this creation that they were exploring, and it was beautiful. They weren't a Christian organization. It wasn't a church series. It wasn't something that we created internally as followers of Jesus. It was just a group of people who are so overwhelmed by creation and adventuring into new places that they said, I'll bet other people are engaging in the same thing. Let's start this movement where we just post photos of where we've been And we just have this hashtag, we keep exploring. What it turned into, not just them posting photos, but them also taking this flag. You can see it in front, you can see it later if you can. It's red with these white letters that say keep exploring. And so the community became this group of people that would travel to the Grand Canyon, or they would travel to the ocean, or they would go to some exotic place, or they're on Mount Fiji, or they're, they're somewhere around the world. And on the top of wherever they are in this beautiful, overwhelmingly, um, created by God's face. Like, no one else could do this kind of stuff. There's this person with this flag that says, keep exploring. And as I started looking through these photos, I started thinking, man, if this were the kingdom of God, this would just be awesome. People would want to be with us. If we were the community that just said, yeah, keep exploring. Keep exploring His ways. Keep exploring His truth. Keep exploring His love. Keep exploring His mercy. Keep exploring His justice. If we're hitting... A wall of chaos, and we don't understand it. We're not going to run from it. We're not going to judge it. We're going to keep exploring God's ways in the midst of it, and that's going to be who we are. And so, 121, the organization that I'm a part of, adopted kind of for this year, we don't know how long it's going to last, this thought let's keep exploring the ways of God. And it's been an awesome year. I'm hoping that this morning, you will allow me to share some stories of how God has taught me as I have been able to keep exploring his ways with the community around me of his principle of what he says in Proverbs chapter 3. It says in verse 3, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. I love the last part of that because I want favor in the sight of God. I want it to the point where I want to stand before him and worship him for the rest of my life. I want him, like a proud father, to look at me and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. John seventeen four is one of my favorite verses where Jesus looks at the Father and says, I've glorified your name by accomplishing the work that you've given me to do. I'm so like I get jazzed by that, you can tell I'm a little excited today. Um I am so stoked. About glorifying God. But I also get really, really, really excited about having favor in the community that I live on behalf of the gospel of Jesus. I don't think the two can be separated. I don't think that we can glorify God and be a jerk in our community. I don't think we can glorify God and be the Christians that live in the neighborhood who judge all of our neighbors. Or our Facebook neighborhood. I don't think we can do both. So I'm super motivated to think. how. If you tell me how I can bring favor. Both to the God that I am overwhelmingly indebted to. With everything that I am. And to the community that's around me. I'm in. And in these words Jesus says. Do not forsake steadfast love. And faithfulness. Because these are the virtues, these are the ones that draw favor among God and among man. We're in the midst of a series here at Grace Chapel called Forgotten Virtues. This entire summer has been a study of Psalms and Proverbs and the virtues of the life of a follower of Christ that may have been forgotten. And this morning I want to share with you a few stories of steadfast love and faithfulness and invite you into those stories so that we may move out of this place into a world where we find favor of God and man and maybe in that way we will meet the chaos and we will navigate communities through moments of chaos through confusing questions through government decisions through lifestyle changes through abandonment through sickness through all of the things that face us That when the waves crash, as the song said, we'll be brave because we stand in steadfast love and faithfulness to the story of God. I hope you'll go with me on this journey. Because I, again, as I said, find it the best when God teaches me a principle and I see it practiced by people. I just can't stop thinking about it. And maybe you won't be able to either. And maybe instead of us having conversations about how rough it is out there, we get to start telling the world how great it is in here. My summer has been unbelievable. 121 is a ministry that resources emerging generations to live like Jesus. That's what I get to do. I get to hang out with the coolest people in the world, junior hires and high schoolers. Some of you may disagree. Keep your comments to yourself. I think you're awesome. I think there's a a reckless faith and a messiness about middle school and high school that just allows Jesus to kind of get in and do some things that maybe as we get older and everything gets more structured and our mortgage is banking on us not being crazy that we miss out on. And so I love middle school and high school. We navigated through as a ministry nine different weeks of camp that we were sharing the gospel in a five-week time frame. Do the math. It was stupid. Like we're bouncing from camp to camp, moving around, talking to different students. And then we're at one camp and then we move to another camp. Some staff stay, some staff go, some volunteers are there. It was awesome. Over 1,200 middle school and high school students heard the gospel through 121 this summer. Close to 100 of them were baptized through in these camps that we're having. We have no idea how many of them confessed Jesus because we really just don't care. We just hope all of them did it was an awesome, awesome summer where we're bouncing around here story after story. And every time I would show up at a camp to teach or to share or to lead, I would go, hey, it just can't get any better than this. The very first week I'm standing in a pool baptizing one of my best friend's daughters. And I'm going, summer can't get any better than this. Then the very next week, I'm standing at another camp, and I'm watching this story happen where an atheist is saying, I believe in Jesus because I've come to this camp year after year after year just for the paintball. And this year, God's story made so much sense to me that I cannot say that he's not real. I'm following Jesus. I'm going, summer can't get any better than this. Right? It's crazy. Just standing on the edge of another pool, watching guys that I discipled, girls that I discipled when they were in middle school and high school. And they're standing in the water, baptizing the students that they're discipling. And I'm looking at that, fighting back tears, you know, that proud dad moment going, it doesn't get any better than this. And at that point, I'm going, okay, Jesus, I give up. You just keep trumping it. Make it better than this. So I started embracing it, and it culminated at the end of this, our summer journey. So nine weeks of camp in a five-week time period, and then kind of the, the, the event that I'm always the most excited for because I love the community that is in back-to-back Monterey so much. I'm part of back-to-back ministries. That's our parent organization is 121. And over the years, I've been able to build so much relationship with the staff and the, the high school, college students in Monterey that I can't wait to go on the mission to Monterey with all of my friends. And so all of these weeks are leading up to this week-long trip where we have 18 people from here traveling to Monterey meeting four other churches that are 121 churches that do all of our youth events in America. They're coming to Monterey the same week. So it's just like this big 121 Resourcing Emerging Generations explosion in Monterey for the week. I just can't wait. I'm so excited about sharing story after story with the people on the trip. But then as we're getting on the plane, I start looking at the faces that are on my team. And the summer's been so busy that I really hadn't had time to take a look back and see how God had invited each person into the story, even though they weren't really connected. Because for me, everyone in 121 is just always connected. I'm just that kind of guy that's like, yep, you're in. Cool. Let's do this thing. And I'm looking at the team and I'm going, you guys don't really know each other. How did you get here? And as they're getting on the plane, I'm seeing different people. One of the first ones that I notice is Kendall. As Kendall is getting on the plane, I'm reminded. And she she kind of came in late on this trip. Like, it was like an extra bonus. It was the icing on the cake. We had the team kind of going into January, February. And then I'm talking to Kendall's mom. And she's going, oh, Kendall might want to go to Mexico. If she's really wanting to do something this summer. I'm going to set her up with you. And I'm just going to tell her about the details. And I get this email back from Kendall. You're going to Monterey. Can I be in? And I'm like, Hey, I didn't expect we were going to take one more. Let's take one more. Here we go. And so we send out the details. She gets all of her stuff worked out. And as she's walking on the plane, she's already changing the dynamic of our team because of her commitment to just being a loving person. At first, I'm looking around the group and I'm going... How am I, am I going to have to do like a crowd breaker to get everybody to like each other? You know, we're going to have to play a game in the airport to annoy everybody else that's here. Because, you know, mission group teams in airports are super annoying because um, they just overrun everything. Or are they just going happen? And Kendall just walks right in and she's like, so what's your story? Who are you? How do I get to know you? We're going to play this fun game. Let me make fun of this. It was like everyone's laughing just because she was there. And I'm going, wow, this is really cool. You're, you're bringing something to the team already. But then once we land in and we get everything situated, and uh, two days in, we're off to this site called Dreams. And it's a, a place that's an undeveloped children's home that we're working on that it, at some point is going to house uh, more than likely some of the older students in the Monterey community as they uh, have an opportunity to continue education and, and get help in breaking the cycle of poverty in their life. But it's, it's not complete. It's just concrete um, everywhere. And our task was going to be to actually bring all the broken concrete blocks out of this building all day. There were thousands of them that we're just bringing downstairs and just moving out. And on our way there, I hear Kendall make just this statement. that She's, she's maybe a little bit of a verbal processor. She just kind of says things. She's like, you know what would be great? If I could just graffiti a wall in Mexico. And I'm like, I, the what? What? Liberty University CHCA, you know, like it didn't fit that little Christian school box for me. <laughs> that she's saying and I'm like, so the Christian school girl wants to go tag a wall in Monterey. What do you I don't even know what you would write on it. <laughs> Kendall was here. Like I don't huh, it just didn't match what I knew of Kendall in that moment and I'm like, interesting. And when I'm leading a trip, my goal is always just to like do whatever it takes to give the team their adventure. And in my mind, honestly, I'm going, how can I create it possible for Kendall to tag a wall in Mexico? I'm, I don't know that I can. I don't know that they would let me do that. Like, hey, we pull the bus over? Kendall, go spray paint that wall real quick in the name of Jesus. I don't think it's going to happen. So I listened to it, and it stood out because I thought, I don't know her like I thought I knew her on some level. There's a creativity in here that I just didn't understand. Well, we go through the whole day moving all kinds of stuff everywhere. It was the physically the, one of the most daunting days of, of our week. And we end, and as I'm looking at my watch and we're ending, I'm going, that's an hour early. Like, we're going to have an hour left. And, and sure enough, Hope and Cheke, the captains of this, um, of this project, come over and say, hey, we've got about an hour left. And my work mentality mind also i was like oh okay we have an hour this is where i rally the troops and i tell them you know i know you're exhausted i know you've got concrete dust in your nose and in your ears and it's coming off your hair and you've been sweating an entire human off of your body today but for one more hour we can move another thousand concrete blocks like I, you know that's in the name of jesus and it, and then hope and check it come over and they're like so for our last hour um we want to pray and i'm like oh yeah that's better <sighs> That's a much better idea. I'm glad you're in charge. And Hope brings out this big bag of sidewalk chalk. And she just sets it down. And as she like, kind of drops the sidewalk chalk, I hear this squeal. And it's coming from Kendall. And she's like, oh, sidewalk chalk. And I'm like, was that even English? <laughs> I don't even know what you just, she's like speaking in tongues over the sidewalk chalk. And she goes over, she gets like her colors of chalk, and I'm like, oh, she's going to get the graffiti wall. And that's what they invited us to do. They invited us to take the sidewalk chalk and to write all over the concrete walls of this building our prayers to God. It's a really cool moment. As it started, I prayed over the chalk that I had in my hand and said, God, what do you want to do? And and what was laid on my heart was the Shema, which is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four and and following where, uh, where the law is being given to the nation of Israel. And then giving that law where Moses is saying, hero Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And write this on your foreheads and write it on your eyelids and write it on your arms and tell it to your children and write it on your doorposts. And that was kind of put in my mind. I thought, yeah, let's write his name on all these doorposts. And so I'm walking around dreams, just writing the names of God over every doorpost. And I make my way up to the second floor. And as I get to the second floor, I'm writing. I turn a quarter and there's Kendall staring at this wall with this picture. Our God is bigger than our differences. And as I looked at that wall, I thought, that. Is steadfast love defined? That is the definition of what God is saying when he's saying, do not forsake steadfast love. Do not forsake that you can root yourself and stand in my love because it's bigger than your chaos. It's bigger than your drama. It's bigger than your differences. It's bigger than anything we're going to vote on. It's bigger than anything that's being fought on on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Our God is bigger. That is steadfast love. And it was interesting to me that I didn't understand that Kendall was supposed to go write something on a concrete wall. She kind of understood it but thought she was going to deface public property. God understood it completely. said, no, you're right, Kendall. You're going to walk in steadfast love today. And you're going to tell every mission trip participant that ever walks into dreams before this wall gets painted. And underneath the paint of this room where these children are going to live is going to be the words. Our God is bigger than our differences. Let's build a church on that. Sometimes. No, I'll take that back. All the time. We need to remember in the midst of every circumstance that God is bigger than any difference that we may have. And that this is steadfast love. Is that the realization that whatever we're facing is a simple part of God's overwhelming story. And that if we embrace his ways in the midst of that chaos, we will find ourselves rooted in that steadfast love. Kendall taught me that. Who do you get to teach that to this week? Where do you write God is bigger than our differences? Is it a wall at work? Is it an email? Is it your response to someone who disagrees with you on social media? Where does the virtue of steadfast love, of saying, What you believe does not wreck my way. My way is defined by the steadfast love of Jesus. Therefore, I can love you in spite of what you believe. Because my God's bigger than this. But he doesn't just say, Don't forsake steadfast love. He also says, Don't forsake steadfast love and faithfulness. In my life, there are very few people who define faithfulness more than my friend Matt. I've known Matt since he was in fifth grade. He was in my first student ministry. He was a student all the way through high school. By the time he got into college, he was kind of defining himself as who he wanted to be. And we knew it was going to involve engineering and carpentry. He's just good at it. Whenever I do one of my crazy hair-brained ideas for 121, Matt's the guy I call. And I say, here's my idea. I want to hang a kid from a ceiling. Not like that. <laughs> Parents, you guys think bad things about your kids. I want some kid to be able to, like, fly from the roof. And he's like, well, let me go work something up. And he'll come back, and he'll, every time, out of his back pocket, he'll pull this little piece of paper, graph paper usually. He'll unfold it and say, so that thing you wanted done, you know, that kid from the ceiling? Here's how I think we could do it. Here's the $5,000 version. Here's the $200 version. Which one do you want? $200 every time. (laughs) It doesn't matter what the idea is. He'll come back and say, here's the plan. And it'll be all diagrammed out, how tall, how wide, what we need, everything. And then he'll get to work and say, who do you want to be involved in that? Who's on the team? And he'll pull a group of guys, and we'll show up at the camp. And every time that we're there, I'm impressed going, man, that's exactly what we were going to do. He pulled it off. A couple of years ago, Matt was at my house, and we were sitting around a, a campfire. And we are just having a good conversation, which we usually do around a campfire late at night. And he would say, man. In high school, it was easy to see Jesus' face. Just everywhere. We just had story after story. But it's been a while. It's been kind of hard to, to see what he's doing and to see his face and what's going on. Will you pray for me about that? And so I just started praying for Matt that he would see the face of Jesus. Months went by, and he's back at the fire again. And He's like, you, are you going to Mexico next summer? Yes, sir. Do you need me on that trip? Now, I know how Matt's wired. Carpentry, engineering, construction, all of those things. He needs to be working with his hands all the time. He's involved in student ministry, not because he likes kids, because he might not like them at all. He probably doesn't. He doesn't feel really good with younger kids. And back-to-back ministries is kind of built on a model of, you're going to do a little bit of project, maybe, maybe. But for this entire week, we want you investing in the lives of the children that we serve. We want you hanging out with them. We want you playing soccer with them. We want you teaching them. We want you working on a holistic development um, to their, their um, process that we're working here. We want you to come alongside us and help. So when he's like, you need me that week? I was like, yes. Thinking, I have no idea how we're going to use Matt that week. Not a clue. I don't even know that we have a work project. I'm pretty sure we're playing with kids all week. I'm pretty sure he might hate this trip. But anywhere I go, I want Matt with me. He's just that good of a guy. So my first answer was, yeah, you are supposed to come. So Matt gets on the plane. And when he gets off the plane and shows up in Monterey, honestly, he's the one out of all of our teams that I'm worried about the most. If you're a fan of anything, if you're invested in anything, whether it's you know the Reds, which is really hard to be invested in right now, because uh, they just sell everybody, or the Bengals, or for some reason the Browns, um, or I won't even say the Pittsburgh one. Um, I'm just kidding. If you love Pittsburgh, that's great for you. You want people around you to be invested too, right? I did a wedding yesterday, and the parents of the of the groom actually brought Ohio State gear for the bride and said, we want you to know, we love that you are marrying our son. Welcome to the family, OH. That's what she had to do, or else I don't think the wedding was going to happen. <laughs> because when something matters to you, you want everybody else in. Well, the community and back-to-back matters to me so much, and Matt matters to me so much. that when I'm getting off that, but I'm going, I really want Matt to be in, because I love him. I love this community. I want us to be together in this place, because this could be awesome. But I was worried because I thought it was going to be all kind of student led and it was just going to be outside of Matt's comfort zone to the point where he's going to go. Why am I here? Why did I invest all of these resources to get here when you want me to do something that I'm not good at? But God's bigger than my plan. And Matt's so faithful that he shows up and on the first day we go to an amusement park. And as we're standing in line, he's like, hey, there's Wi-Fi here. And I'm like, are you fiending for, like, Wi-Fi, like, connections at home so bad that you're like, hey, man, there's Wi-Fi. It's like it's crack. Like, hey, there's Wi-Fi. Don't tell everybody. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, Google Translate. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You've thought through this so much. He doesn't speak Spanish. He's not. He's he's trying so hard to connect that he's going, how can I have conversations with these kids? Google translate, there's Wi-Fi. I can type a sentence in and then show it to them. So we're standing in line for the go-karts and Matt is talking trash to the junior high boys about how he's going to beat them on the, on the go-kart track. And they're laughing and talking about how no way they're going to go faster than him. And all of a sudden this community is starting to be built and I'm standing watching and going, this is what faithfulness to the kingdom of God looks like. It's, I say yes to go, not because you can use me for who I am and what I'm good at, but just because you invited me, Jesus. I say yes to the invitation to the kingdom of God because I am faithful to his kingdom, not because I'm searching for him to give me value at what I'm good at. But when we're faithful just to say yes, to take the invitation into God's story and do what is asked of us instead of doing what we're wanting to do, God usually responds with blessing us and blowing our minds with how creative he is. So I wasn't surprised on Tuesday when David, the captain of the children's home that we were partnering with, walked over to me and said, okay, here are the projects that we have today. And I was wondering if you have like an engineer or a carpenter on your team, because I need to build a closet out of this leftover wood, but I don't know anything about that kind of stuff. And I don't know if we have enough wood. I don't know if we have the stuff to be able to do this. I'm not sure if Like what we need. Do you have anybody like that? And I'm like, yes, sir. I have this guy's name's Matt. That's what he does. So that morning when all of the jobs were being listed off for our mission team, I told Matt, I'm like, there's going to be a lot of jobs that you could consider and go, yeah, I could do that because he would just sacrifice and do anything. I was like, he's going to say something about a closet. I want you to wait on that one. And David says, I need somebody to build a closet. And you can see Matt go, ah, I got it. That's me. And you need one other person. He looks to his side and he sees Lucas, one of our 121 interns that he's built a relationship with over the summer. Lucas will help me. Lucas may have never picked up a saw in his life. I'm not sure that he's seen inside Home Depot. He may have run past it. He's like a cross-country guy, runner. That's. He loves it. He loves running. And I saw on Lucas's face like, me? Cool. I like hanging out with you. I have no idea what I'm doing. Faithfulness brings favor from God, from man. Coolest story from that day was at the end when we're all debriefing the day and talking about how God spoke to us and where we entered into his presence and how we were going on his behalf. That Lucas raised his hand and said, coolest thing for me today was that Matt taught me how to work on this closet he said I thought that I would go and I would stand behind and I would watch Matt do his thing and that he would build this really cool closet and all these shelves would go up and all this thing would go in there but Matt pulled out of his back pocket this folded up piece of paper that he had drawn up of this closet and said Lucas this is what we're going to build and he cut the first couple boards he may have recut the third and fourth ones Lucas cut the rest. because to Matt, faithfulness is not me doing everything in order to prove my value to God. It's me accepting the invitation to teach other people the things that God has taught me that I'm good at. And I was reminded of that that day. That our steadfast love and faithfulness are not dependent on who we believe about ourselves in God's story. They're dependent on who is around us that is learning how to be part of God's story because we're giving everything that we're good at away. Because our understanding of God's love is that what I'm good at doesn't define me. I'm good at it so that I can give it away to invite other people into God's story. He's a teacher. He's a mentor. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Sometimes faithfulness is defined by opposition. Ben came on this trip to prove me wrong. That's what he shared. We were sitting at one of our debrief times a couple of days in, and as we're talking about what God's doing, he said, Chris, I don't know if you remember this, but two years ago, I posted on Twitter that I believed that short-term missions were a waste of resources and were detrimental to the kingdom of God. And in that moment, I thought, oh, yeah, I do remember that because I absolutely picked a fight with you. Back-to-back does short-term missions. We have groups every week that are traveling to all of the sites around the world. And so my response, like the, the one I actually published, I deleted about eight of them before I actually had one that was, that I felt okay going in public because they were so aggressive that I tweeted back to him and said, be careful defining the value of something before you have experienced it yourself. You're welcome to come on a trip with me anytime. And I forgot all about the tweet. I forgot we even had the conversation. I just moved on into whatever else was going on that day. But Ben didn't forget. And instead of having a bitter response and coming back and firing darts at me, he took it to heart. And he prayed about it. And so when I sent an email out to a mass community and said, I'm going to Monterey. If you want to experience what 121 and back-to-back are like, you can join our team. He said, I'm in. he came to Monterey saying, man, if you said I need to experience it before I can say the things that I said, I'll experience it and then I'll go back and say the things that I said. But his passion for Jesus was so deep that he said, here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to do your way because I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, which is the verse that follows in Proverbs 3. In verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And Ben decided in that moment, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding and be like, no, I'm just going to blast Chris and blast back to back and blast 121. If you're saying I'm missing something, I'm in. Show it to me. By Monday night, we were having a conversation because that morning, Ben being at Dreams again, this future home that's not finished yet. At the end of a tour, being told everything that was going on, had raised his hand and and asked a simple question. He said, so how much is that roof going to cost? And I looked up thinking, is that Ben asking that question, the one who doesn't think this thing works? And Cheke, the captain of of this site said, the roof for Dreams is $4,000, we don't have it yet. Ben said, I got it. Highland Christian Church has that roof. And I looked up and I'm like, what? Huh? And that night he said, Before I came here, I didn't believe that God could use us for them. But today I realized there is no them there's us. And God invited his resources to help us house children so they can live with us forever and ever. Sometimes we find favor when we choose not to lean on our own understanding, But we find in moments of disagreement that instead of offering judgment and casting out, we say, okay, I disagree with you. When can we hang out? When are we going? When's your next meeting? When's the next conversation? You have people who live a lifestyle that you disagree with. Are you leaning on your own understanding or are you engaging in life with them so that God can make your path straight and how to engage the chaos? Because for Ben in that moment, he didn't understand the great story of God that he was actually being invited to be a part of. He saw a limited view, and I actually agreed with his view, that when short-term missions are done poorly, they can actually... Hurt and de-emphasize the community and the value of humanity on a mission field. But when they are done as a part of a story that says there is no them, there's just us, let's share our resources and let's live life together. Short-term missions have a key place because otherwise Ben can't raise his hand and say, I'm going to put a roof on that building. Sometimes you will be invited to share your virtue of steadfast love and faithfulness in the midst of communities that you disagree with. But you must be standing in the midst of that community in order for your voice to be valid, to disagree with them. And he'll make your path straight. His steadfast love will be there holding you and rooting you in. And then there was Andrew. Andrew who brings this concept of steadfast love and faithfulness home for me. He started helping out 121 when he was in high school. In college, he became our graphic design artist. A few years ago, I invited him to come to a retreat that we do in Monterey for all of the teenage um, of orphans from all of the homes around the city. He took community so seriously and the value of these students so much that before he left, he did a crash course, took like three months to relearn Spanish so that he could have conversations when he got there. And he walked in and just started talking and conversing with the students. Each time we would go, Andrew could be seen having one-on-one conversations with different teenage guys, building rapport with them. And the great thing about Andrew, he kept coming back. He would intern for a summer. Then he would come back on a mission team. And he kept coming back. And so these guys, these young men, who are wanting older men to know how to navigate their life, are seeing Andrew come back and back and back. Even to the point where a couple of trips in they started to give him a nickname a soccer player, and his name is Layun, his last name is Layun. And he looks they say that Andrew looks like him. And they both played soccer, and so all of these guys would stop calling him Andrew. And every time he would show up on campus, you'd just hear people shouting, And they would come out of these HOPE program houses students who would graduated out of the HOPE program that were actually living in the city, doing a job, they would come onto the HOPE program during this week just to see Andrew, just to spend time with Layun, because he had so deeply invested in their life with his love and he was so faithful to them over and over and over that now he had so much favor with these young, impressionable men that he's able to ask them the tough questions. How are you doing? How is it living life by yourself? Are you giving in to anything? How's your relationship with girls? It's, every question, it's the question every guy has to ask every guy. How are you doing with girls? How are you doing with peer pressure? How's all this stuff happening? And he can ask and they're answering. And there was a moment on Thursday night or last night of the week that I won't ever forget. Layuna and I had spent so much time being able to invest in this high school student environment in another country. That they were asking us to come play soccer with them. Which doesn't ever happen. Uh, most of the time, the whole program students want to play soccer, Mexico versus America, on the back-to-back campus to destroy all of the Americans. Uh, just to remind us that we should stick to American football because they've got soccer. But these guys are like, Chris, you want to play tonight? La Union, you want to play? Well, he was recovering from surgery, so he couldn't play. But he just stood and watched. And we played two games of soccer. And then we celebrated our win with what you're supposed to do in Monterey we went and got tacos and we sat down at this table and at the head of this table is this house parent's name is Oscar and Oscar started this team playing in this league he noticed the, the ability of these young guys playing soccer and said, hey, these boys that are living in my house, they're, they shouldn't just be playing on a back-to-back campus. They should be playing and developing their skills in a league. So not only did he start the league, but he got his own shoes out, and he starts playing with them. And it's so cool to walk out on a soccer field, and as you're running around and playing, to hear these boys calling out, poppy, 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 when they're trying to pass the ball to him. Because they're playing with their, their dad. That's what it is on the field. And he's sitting at the front of the table, and Cheke, who's another the captain of back-to-back and mentoring these guys, he's sitting to my left, and then I'm sitting in the middle, and Leon's on the end, and we're surrounded by high school and college-age students who have overcome some of the most significant trauma that any of us could ever hear from. And we're sitting at a table talking like best friends, sharing stories, giving encouragement, laughing at each other. And at one moment, Oscar looks up at, at Layun and I, and he's like, thank you for creating this shared memory for us. We won't forget it. You do have to tell me that. I won't either. And as we were getting ready to leave, we, we paused to take one more opportunity because there was a new Hope Program student moving back in onto the campus. He had left for a while, and he was coming back, and he didn't leave on the best of terms. Most of the guys on the campus were like, ah, if he comes back, I don't know if I'm going to like him. I'm not even sure I'm going to give him a chance. And as we're sitting around this table at a delicious taco stand, I was able to take a moment and say, guys, I, I don't know what kind of relationship we've built so far. But I'm going to play all of my trust on the table right now. You know there's a student that just came back. You know how rough it was when he left. He's different. Will you give him a chance? Do we have enough favor with you for this guy to come back into this program and have a shot at being part of your community? Or are you going to label him the way he used to be? And because... Of the steadfast love and faithfulness of nurtured relationships. That's the only reason that it happened. All these guys look up and they're like, yeah, we'll take care of him. We got him. He's ours. When he annoys us, we'll punch him. But he's ours. Like, it's a good deal. Steadfast love and faithfulness when consistent over time, into a community, create a favor with God and man that cannot be broken by the chaos of the world. If you want to win this week, if you want to keep exploring this week, You adopt the virtues of steadfast love and faithfulness into your house, into your family, into your workspace, into your car, into your communities. And you don't let the chaos rock the direction that you are going because you step forward and you explore his ways in the midst of the chaos. And you will tell stories like these two. I thought maybe that this week we could leave this place and you could talk about the ways that God is is changing the world instead of the chaos that we can't still figure out. These stories are yours to share. And I want to remind you, these happened in Monterey. But they aren't stories only of Monterey. They're us, our community, our family, our church, his kingdom. With steadfast love and faithfulness, we find favor with God and with man. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you go before us with your love and faithfulness into our homes. If there's chaos in any house today, dissension, frustration, anger, bitterment, confusion, Stand firm in your steadfast love and faithfulness to us, Jesus. And I pray that we would have your spirit with us to walk back into that situation and be faithful to you in your ways. If we are making decisions that we do not understand, I pray that you would make our paths straight today. And for those of us who live in neighborhoods and communities with people who disagree with us, let us be your light of steadfast love and faithfulness. That the world may know your story, that you would be glorified, and that we would celebrate you together. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Keep exploring.